By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. Have you seen the slash? Made by users for users. Engineered for flavor. One of the coolest features around. A built-in loading tool. Learn more at www.stonesmiths.ca. of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Diving into the business of cannabis with Malka LaBelle of the Green Generation Co. Find out how Malka can help you at www.greengencompany.com. As I uh, as I bring in the wandering Malka, still on that beautiful <laughs> BC trek. I'm so jealous uh, that you're uh, able to do this. And uh, so great to chat with you on the road again. And we start with the lead topic, um, going back to where it all began. So tell us about the the origins and the kind of the green roots of the green generation company totally yes thanks dean yeah so um, i wanted to i was i'm on this road trip that has been going on for a while a couple of weeks uh staying along the way and places to visit people mostly clients and and um, former clients in some cases and that's actually what this is all about so the green generation company actually started off about being a power a green power generation business opportunity. Um, and it had more to do with clean power and sustainable uh, green power. So like from solar and wind um, and really clean tech is where it initially started. And it started with a company called Portable Electric, um, which is based out of Vancouver. It was founded by a friend of mine, Mark Rabin, who an oil and gas refugee himself, um, he came up with a, a patented technology with him and his partners that essentially stores solar and uh, wind power in a battery that looks like a generator. So you see there on your screen, those are the portable electric fleet. And they've been in business since 2016, I believe, maybe a little bit before then. And they focused in focused their area on uh, the movie business and like basically power that needs to be quiet and that doesn't uh, replace diesel and gas generators like sort of in an indoor enclosed space. So that was sort of their first, first foray into the market. And in visiting Mark and uh, talking to him on my trip out to BC um, and seeing, following their growth, they have really just done some amazing things um, with the, the actual technology of making uh, renewable energy uh, storable, which is like sort of the big like problem with uh, renewable energy is that there's no really re good way to store the energy other than from the sun and from the wind when it's generated. So I got a chance to talk with him again, and, and I wanted to bring up the fact that this is really what the Green Generation Company started as. And it really was an opportunity to take their business model and turn it into a power as a service or a rental model 
back before that was a thing. <laughs> and um, I was really supportive of that and, and essentially took that at a fork in the road. So in my own like career path, I was, uh, had been, you know, watching Mark grow as an entrepreneur and as a friend, uh, he had been an oil and gas engineer himself. Uh, so I also called him an oil and gas refugee because he sort of moved over into the sustainability world before everyone else did. And uh, his huge hustle and his huge entrepreneurial spirit. And I, I had invited him to the company I was working at uh, in the oil and gas world because they were largely in sort of a cutting edge in the data and the, and the tech sp space in oil and gas. And his solution, his software, his, his actually his technology was, I thought was a compliment. And I remember him wheeling his initial prototype, like up the elevator, off the elevator into our boardroom in 2014, uh, before they really uh, started manufacturing. And I just, I was sort of harkening, we were just recalling that time. Um, and this is something, it was a pivotal piece in my world because I took that business idea, that essentially the rental service, uh, power as a service rental market and took that business concept, business model into my MBA and literally ran it through Dragon's Den MBA class in our entrepreneurship and innovation. And essentially the business model was not well received. It was not clear how the investors would make their money back. And that's essentially the it, why I pivoted into the green generation being into cannabis because I was getting all this mail from the industry about thinking green generation had to be with cannabis and the power generation model was not quite the right fit either. Um, so that was my fork in the road um, is that I chose not to pursue working with his company and instead worked on what is now the green generation company as a consulting sort of arm. But that's where it started and watching them grow they're now producing these 20k uh, kilowatt hour electric generators that are all weatherproof. And it's like a Tesla battery, but it just doesn't have a car around it. So it can power and charge pretty much like everything from a car for 300 kilometers to an entire house facility. Um, what they really found their stride is with COVID is these pop up, you know, uh, medical centers or pop up testing centers and all these things where you need power but maybe don't have a, an outlet nearby so you just roll up one of these little guys and plug in and there you go there's your power and it uh, re recharges with solar these solar panels on the sun or a fast charge um just plugging into a you know regular outlet in, inside of on a grid or on, on in a power source and it, it's just they've just working on their technology of going uh lighter weight battery so they're easier to move around as well as faster charging and just making them more versatile. And I've just, just been entirely enamored with how um, how they've grown since I've started to know about them. And I just wanna respect the place where it all came from. You know, Mark was my connection. He's based in Vancouver and I've got to visit his factory a couple of times. His business is really core and now can complement the cannabis world because they provide both indoor and outdoor sustainable power solutions that are way less expensive than the power bills you would see from a grid power situation and it's renewable and sustainable. So it sort of still meets all of the criteria that the green generation stands for. And now they have a bunch more sizes and options. They're all made down shore here in Canada. And it's very exciting to see them grow. And that's where it all began. Uh, I, I like that. I, you know, I, I like that uh, at that fork in the road that, that you took and, and went separate ways and, and, you know, both have find, uh, have found, uh, you know, obviously a, a, a nice comfortable spot and some happiness, but uh, I, I think it's always incredible to, to find more ways that we can use less of to, to provide. And that's something that sounds like something like this is, uh, you know, right, right, uh, right in their wheelhouse. 100%. 
Yeah, and soon I'll be able to have, um, like, anyone can reach them through me or through directly through them. Um, they do have a place on their website. If you do hear this and you don't connect with me first, you can always ref uh, use me as a referral. So the Green Generation Company or Malka LaBelle, they have a spot for that because they really recognize that their business grew from the support of others, whether indirectly or directly. Um, that's a big part of the ethos of their company and, and mine as well. So I like to always help support other uh, entrepreneurs that, recognize that we're all in this together <laughs> and uh, there's a way to do that. So I'm, I love that. I want to pay homage to that. Yeah. And, and I, and I think it's, you, you raised a really good point about, uh, especially during uh, COVID where uh, sometimes we need these emergency pop-up medical situations. This is perfect for that, depending on the size that you need. And, you know, for those looking uh, in the cannabis space to, you know, leave less of a footprint, this is also uh, perfect for that. So, you know, it's kind of a blend of, of, of both worlds. So I, I really like that. All right, let's get on to change makers now. And uh, I, I'm pretty excited about this one. So uh, who uh, and why are you going with this person in change makers? My change maker this week is Sandy Rogan. That's uh, the mother of the famous Seth Rogan. Now, I'm not sure how many times I've mentioned on your show, but I know I've been talking about this for a long time. So um, Sandy and my mom uh, are really good friends. So there's a little picture there. My mom is on the right and Seth's mom is in the middle. And that was taken in the summer of 2017. Um, Seth and I were both born in Vancouver uh, in the early 80s, Jewish moms. Um, and um, they've been friends ever since. Uh, my mom moved back to Vancouver a few years ago and like literally into Sandy's neighborhood and they go on like walks together and have dinner together on a regular basis, even in COVID. And I think that they're the closest proximity to each other so they don't have to drive to get to each other, which is great for both of them. Uh, they do a lot of walking um, and talking because that's what mothers do. <laughs> and they talk about their children <laughs> all the time. And, and so I got a chance to talk to Sandy when I was in Vancouver um, just to fill her in on some of the things that, you know, I kind of think of her like a sort of a distant aunt or cousin, like even though she's not in my life directly, she's a big part of my mom's support system. And that's how I really uh, paid homage to her help to my mom, because she's very grounding. She's a very natural spirited and like, like just normal person. Um, sometimes my mom is sometimes like that and sometimes she's not. But um, I have to say that I got a chance to speak with her and I told her about some of the work I'm doing and the Truth on Cannabis project, which is all about sort of where people came from and how they're related to the cannabis industry. And of course, her first objection is like, I have nothing to do with cannabis now at all. I'm like, well, you kind of do <laughs> through extension of your son and his success. And, and I said, you know, really, I just wanted to learn more about like his, his growing, his upbringing. Like I know where he came from. I was around when he was very little, but I was very little too. So I don't remember that, but I guess I wanted to know sort of what's been happening or what happened to him and you and how, how did you make such a perfect human is essentially what I was saying to her. Um, and I, so she, she, she laughed, she chuckled. She's like, you sound just like your mother. That was her comment. But she said, you know, honestly, she, she did actually uh, in our initial conversation, share some very enlightening I would say mom hacks, which I have adopted on my own without even knowing that there were other mom hacks. Um, and so she are, we are going to be doing a more deep dive interview. We've scheduled for April the 14th for the Truth on Cannabis series. And I'm inviting other people that have questions for Sandy Rogan uh, to go and visit our website, truthoncannabis.org. And there's a button there that says Ask Sandy. Uh, and if you have a question for her, I'll, I'll, I'll compile them and ask them during our interview. She was very open to talking and sharing her motherly wisdom, whether she believes in everything will be determined. I don't know what her whole stance is on cannabis, but 
she's sort of been this amazing uh, character and true life person that uh, I'm excited that I know personally and that we'll get a chance to speak to you more about uh, coming up real soon here. Uh, that that's good. I think that's going to be really interesting for obviously fans of uh, Seth Rogen. Whether you're a fan of uh, Seth Rogen because of his movies, or uh, just uh, the the uh, the social media profile, or the you know the cannabis uh, side of of Seth Rogen, because obviously uh, he does have his own uh, brand. I think it would be neat to get kind of an insight into that because he he's told some actually some pretty funny stories about growing up and you know uh, being caught with a bunch of mushrooms in his backpack or something like that he said you know when you get caught with a bunch of mushrooms you know weed is a lot easier to uh, to slide by and and i don't know whether those are true or just uh, you know funny quotes but uh, just to kind of get an insight into you know what what the the background was and you know seth rogan has said and we've talked about it on this week in cannabis news many times about you know he talks about every decision he has made has been influenced by cannabis uh, you know because he's you know constantly using cannabis and and every decision while while he's using cannabis has been influenced. So it's a really interesting uh, success story that, you know, a lot of people can point to when, when people bring up that typical stigma about lazy stoners. Well, this is a guy who, have you ever seen, like his pottery is unbelievable as well. I mean, this guy has a lot going on and he is always, as he says, influenced by cannabis. So looking forward to kind of seeing that insight and, 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 and also, you know, what her thoughts on the plant are as well. Exactly. I have a few of those answers already based on our initial conversation. I'm not going to not going to give it away, but it's a, a little bit different than uh, or it's a little bit probably more common than you think as uh, as an answer. But uh, I'm excited to hear more about the stories. And apparently his book is coming out in about a month or so. So I'm hoping I can get my hands on a copy of that um, through her maybe and, and just kind of go with the stories in that apparently are like what you're saying. They're really his crazy and funny stories and reading her comments around that where she didn't even know that they were true. She didn't know about them. She wished she had known about them at the time. She maybe could have helped. <laughs> because, you know, that was her response. But it's I'm looking forward to checking those out because I think they will be a riot and a good reflection on where we are in our place and time. Yeah, you know, like, like don't you think, when I, when I watch... Uh... Uh, Seth Rogen movies, and and we just featured uh, in Cannabis Characters uh, Red from Pineapple Express, uh, played by Danny McBride. Uh, yeah. But don't don't you don't you think when you when I watch Seth Rogen in movies, um, I kind of just think that's Seth Rogen in real life. Like he seems really I genuine, and while he plays different <laughs> characters, there's always something that is still Seth Rogen. Although there's been some really uh, you know non comedic roles that he's played where he really shows shows I think some range. But a lot of those comedies, like I just think that's kind of Seth Rogen. I think so too. And you know, the funniest thing about it here's here's hearkening back to the early stages of his career. So you remember the movie Superbad? Yeah. And knocked up. I think it's in both movies, actually. So there's a scenes in those movies where you see it like the, the setup, the living room setup. I think it was super bad. Maybe no, it might have been, I think it was knocked up. Anyways, they're all sitting around in this like, you know, patched together jumbled furniture or whatever. The furniture in that set is literally from his mom's basement. And you know how I know that? Because my mom has the same furniture. <laughs> so I'm like, I recognize that. Like, that's a rattan sofa from, you know. Yeah. So that's what I mean is that the character and the environment are almost on point because I, not because I recognize them from the movie, because I recognize them from my own 
80s growing up in Vancouver with the same people. So that's yeah. what I mean is there's a few pieces to that and references in those movies early days that were references to situations in my own childhood, going to summer camp and going to the places that those people were. So like Evan Goldberg, for example, his partner, we went to camp together in Kelowna, actually, on, on uh, Lake Kalamalka as children the same year. So I was there that at the same time, we're the same age. So it's like, it's so it's removed now, but not by much. And I think that that's really the cool part about it is that we're, we're coming back full circle and why not, right? Like we're all mm. in this together. Uh, early Freaks and Geeks uh, with uh, Seth Rogen is uh, quite interesting to watch as well before he became, you know, the the movie star Seth Rogen. All right, let's go with what it means to be green. Uh, last time you were talking about uh, things are greener on the other side in BC. Today we're talking about whatever is brown can also be green. What are you going with here? Yeah, I'm like so on the full on spring analogies here. Yeah, so this is this picture that I took. I don't know if you're able to see that, but I took a picture when I was here the other day. This is, I took it two days ago. It was a picture of a, a tree that was brown. There you go. And then the the tree on the on the right, the green one, is the same tree from the same spot, like the exact same tree. <laughs> it's a famous. It's a walkway here in Kelowna in West Kelowna called Galatly Bay. It's a beautiful, beautiful part of uh, the waterfront right off of Boucherie Road. And Boucherie Road is a very long road of uh, lots of wineries. It's wine country in Kelowna. There's like 30 wineries on this one road. And this is the bay at the end of this road. What I'm saying here is that whatever is brown, like this tree on the left, is going to turn green because it's going to be spring. And we just assume and adapt that that's, that's the truth. We know that that's going to be true. There's no question that that brown tree is going to be a green tree. And, you know, for 38 summers, I went to this location. I've been in this part of the world for 38 summers, but I've never been here in winter before. Now I know April's not winter, but it's kind of still chilly. It's not, a, it's not a green, right? That's the whole point. And my, my comment around this is that we know that everything is brown, that all trees and grass, they were brown in winter and then when the snow was gone and then they become green. And we really recognize the beauty in the green part because we see it's beautiful. It's got its peacock feathers out. You know, it's the most beautiful. It's got all dressed up. It's ready for the show with the leaves on it. But what I'm, I'm drawing this comparison here because in this exact same part of the world uh, in Canada is where we really see where the brown is the common. It's the, the brown is the grounding. The, the brown is the constant. And it's what this is, is, is my analogy to this is around the legacy cannabis industry. So not far from this, where this tree is growing, is a lot of people that are part of the, the BC uh, uh, micro or the BC craft farmers co-op. That's where I met them initially. They're literally down the road and that's where they live. And this is their, this is their, this is where they live and talking to them in person. So I've got a chance to sit down and talk with them in person since I've been here, the members of the co-op. And I hear them talk and they talk like brown is brown is brown. It's always going to be brown. It's sturdy. It's strong. Just leave it, leave it the way it is. And I'm thinking of it like this green tree is kind of like the cannabis rec market. It's like, it's all dressed up. It's ready for the ball. It's ready for the rest of the world to see it at its best from the same place, the same tree, but it's not the boring mundane part. It's the beautiful part, but it's the same thing. And this is the mental gymnastics that I've been doing. Maybe there's a few too many joints in the picture, but that's okay. That's why we're all here. Um, But sitting around talking to these people, they really, really respect the earth and the plant and the the legacy and the medicine that they're building and they're growing. And that's what they do. They're growing medicine for their families, for their friends, for themselves. And the summertime only comes a few weeks out of the year. 
And the summertime comes and comes and takes the summertime and takes the fun and takes the green and then leaves. And, and I think that that is a way that this industry can coexist, both in the legacy realm and in the rec legal realm, is that just a recognition that they can be the part of the same thing. They just have different like viewpoints from different people. And that's okay. And I think that's kind of the message here is that we know it's going to be brown for a large part of the time in winter, and then it's going to be green. And the green brings new life, new money, new freshness, new perspective. But sometimes when you have this new perspective, all of a sudden that brown piece is looks different or is better or is you know optimized and not cut down because it's brown and old. So I think that in this world, in this in this place, we can see that harmonization, and it's going to happen from these these locations where the two sides of the cannabis conversation are really head on head and they're coming from the same place so i just wanted to point that out because it was very kind of struck me while i was smoking a joint in front of this tree that maybe this is why this has been such a struggle is that there are two perspectives of the exact same thing and we just have to have that as an open conversation and that's what it means to be green this week Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's, there, you know, there's a lot of potential for people in the legacy market to get in uh, to, to legalization and, and have a lot of success and, and help grow the industry uh, properly the way they think they do. But there, there also has to be, you know, have to get rid of those preconceived notions and opinions and things like that and, and actually see it for what it is. I mean, you know, if, if somebody sees the, le the, the legalization market, uh, you know, that, as something that's, that's not right and the black market that is right, that's, that's kind of another form of the stigma. So, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, we talked about it in this week in Cannabis News about the publisher of High Canada endorsing an illegal, okay website like that's that's wrong that's yeah. irresponsible that's you know we have to legalization is here and you know yeah. is it perfect no not at all but you know the black market is shrinking and people need to you know they have to let go of those uh, preconceived notions and opinions and and do some research and see that it's not just all corporate suits gobbling everything up there are a lot right. of great small companies out there so just like we're yeah. always trying to convince people about the plant that it that it's not dangerous it's not devil's lettuce it's not reefer madness we also i guess have to com convince the legacy market that it's not just just suits gobbling up 100%. the money in in the legalization yeah. market it's true and unfortunately i have to say the politics like literally or the, our political system has has infiltrated that and that's also not so cool because politics are not supposed to be bought by companies and unfortunately right. they have been and and that's actually the key piece is that politicians have left politics and joined the private or the can the private sector is what it's called and are on the boards of these cannabis legal and publicly traded companies and that's essentially that's the piece that's offside is that you know people that were in politics where they were really they're out for the good of the people that's what the whole point of politics is is the democratic society you're elected in office so that you have influence and you have the ability to take the needs of your constituents to the leadership of the country but then when you're done with politics and then you go back and then you sort of get you know, you, you find a role, which is not a bad thing, but I'm saying that's essentially the close, it's the other side of that conversation, which is the part that hurts people that previously would have voted for those people. That, and that's that's the where the money and the politics interact, which is offside in lots of countries, including our own. You can't mm -hmm. do that anymore from a influential perspective. Like you cannot pay, companies cannot pay politicians to lobby in the way that they used to be able to do that. The laws have changed around that, but the mentality of it hasn't. And that's what I mean is that this is a mentality question. This is a point of view. 
And I'm saying in this piece is that it can be both. We can have our cake and eat it too. It's just the perception, the attitude, and the stigma has to change. And it's not the stigma in the only one spot. There's a whole bunch of stigma, like you said, Dean, that has to be cleared in order for this to be true. Indeed. Uh, good segment uh, today. Uh, I, I want you to get back to your uh, traveling because I can't wait to hear uh, some of the stories. But if you want to find out how Melka can help you, check it out on the screen, greengencompany.com. Enjoy uh, enjoy BC, but remember, you got to come back to Alberta, okay? So you can't just stay in BC, <laughs> but have fun on your travels, Melka. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dean. Have a great day. and follow us on social media at the cannabis 101 on twitter at the cannabis 101 podcast on instagram and at the canna 101 podcast on facebook you can email us at cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com